0: All right, last thing about baseball before we talk about football, but like, you know what pisses me off the most about the Tigers is look at, okay, the last time the Tigers make the playoffs, they got swept by the Baltimore Orioles, right? Both of those teams found their way into the dumpster of Major League Baseball for a very long time. The difference is that the Baltimore Orioles are 66 and fucking 42 right now. And the Tigers are still shit. The Orioles rebuild started like three years after the Tigers, and they're already out. This is me off.
1: Mac football pod. Uh, Caleb, Justin, everybody's here. Uh, I don't know how many more times we're going to do this before this season. I'm about to go up north. Justin, you're about to go up north too, right? I am. We're about to do the old uh, traditional michigan thing where you just do the three words go up north it's just a thing that it's like it's in our blood like if we don't really go you know so much in our youth like it is in my case you know you, you have to do as an adult it's just part of being a michigander where are you going i'm going up to uh Mackinac.
0: i'm going into uh the woods yes. current michigan like an hour south of Alpina, I guess. Okay.
1: That's good.
0: good. But you're also going to a really cool place that you've never been before, right? It, it, not just Mackinac. Oh, I don't, I are don't you know, going? I don't know where you're you? Did you say you were going to Traverse City too? Yeah, I'm going to Traverse City too. Yeah, yep. That that is going to be way cooler.
1: Yeah, that's going to be the first stop. Uh, Less time is going to be spent there, but it's all right it'll be it'll be cool i just need to go uh go screw off for a little bit man you know last time to get like these vacations in before the season and i get pretty busy especially with like the whole writing situation so yeah it'll be good to just like zone out and not think about camp for a little bit
0: Caleb, what is the ohio equivalent of going up north
2: probably going up north <laughs> um
0: Hawk, talking hills
2: let's no ah maybe <laughs> um I feel like it's go up to Cedar Point um okay. in, San, in Sandusky I guess go up to Lake Erie I think like, are, like is that people, like people
1: uh that. is that like just because like I don't know if that's like an Ohio thing or a Michigan thing I think that's just like uh we live within like driving distance of it sort of deal so like anybody within this circle is going to have that kind of experience for like michigan people it's like no matter where you live in the state you're gonna go to the lake you have access to a lake you have a friend with access to a lake
2: yeah i mean look at the teams in the mac like where do where do our schools where do they go what's their up north like does buffalo go to a a cabin in new hampshire or do they just go to niagara falls like that's in their backyard. They're not just going to go to Niagara Falls as they're going up north, right? Like these are good questions. We need so, that now. I want to now. So I want to know what every Mac school, what their up north is.
1: I'm just kind of wondering, like, do like Ohio people like, do they like go to Columbus and just pray? Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that were like actually like what happens.
2: Right. They bring, they bring out their pay, their prayer rug in front of Ohio Stadium and they just <laughs> bow down to it. Right. O h. In the uh, in the the, sound, in the sound of Money Python. It is <laughs> Ohio Buckeyes State Buckeyes. Urban Meyer, <laughs> Luke Finkle,
1: <laughs> Rose Bowl divisional game.
2: Place your bets at DraftKings.
1: Yeah, actually, yeah, you, you can probably, like, add that to your Bible now since it's legal. So, <laughs> I mean, you live in Illinois, so I, well, I don't know what this – no, it's legal out there, too. It, it's legal. Yeah, I mean, right, hey, so we're good.
2: in Iowa, <laughs> please tell me you guys have seen the video of Hunter Deckers, the Iowa State quarterback, being like, yeah, but don't record this because this is totally illegal.
1: I haven't seen the video yet. No, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't seen the video either. But he
0: bet on – I appreciate that he bet on, like, what, 26 games? Like he was like, ah, fuck it, I'm just going to do them all.
1: Which Mac game do you think he got right? Like I I hope he got a Mac game right.
0: I think he Went. was exclusively betting on his own games, wasn't he?
2: Was he doing that or was it another Iowa guy? Because there was an Iowa kicker that was doing that too. Deckers is in, uh, some, hot, Deckers is in some hot shit. Like he was supposed to play at quarterback.
0: Pretty nasty business we've gotten ourselves into
2: right promoting uh, gambling at all at all facets of our sports fandom and then all of our athletes being like no no not you not you
0: yeah it should it should be uh it it should be pretty obvious yeah. to them though like they can't do it i mean oh, like you just pointed it out like he, he says in the video
2: like i know what i'm doing is wrong oh no they know they know that's not the issue
1: at some point we probably should talk about like the football season that's coming up and like, Oh, I don't know. Uh, the end of the month where we're officially in August football is here, but, uh, more important things are worthy of talking about like, you know, the big 10 and television contracts and Arizona and Colorado and the big 12 and Brett Yormack and, you know, guys in suits and people, uh, in board meetings and quote, we haven't come to a decision yet. We need to retweet those things and not really focus on the football season. That needs to be on the back burner for a little bit. Um, and, I, and I mean that sincerely because, like, there has been, like, kind of recent news, and I do want to get, like, your guys' reactions to it more than I want to talk about the football because that's what I'm told the we, we need to do, right? It, it, that, that's our job as media people, right, to talk about the realignment more than the actual football since we are in August. Uh, guys, with Colorado— uh, it's just kind of barrel rolling, you know, out the front door and just, like, into the Big 12. And then the the new domino effect of apparently, hey, it's true. You know, those four teams out west, not UCLA, not USC, but the other four, Oregon, Washington, Cal, and Stanford, they're supposed to be going to the Big Ten now. That's apparently going to be a thing that we have to uh, prepare ourselves for. Where are we, like emotionally or just mentally at with all of this recent news at a time where we kind of don't 100% want it, but hell, we'll take it because we're conditioned to it at this point.
0: Have you ever been in like a a sales situation where like someone's someone's selling you something and like everything sounds like everything coming out of their mouth sounds pretty reasonable? Like, "I, I will save some money. Oh, uh, yes, this will get rid of all the pests at my house. Thank you for stopping by. But, like, you still feel like you're you're getting fucked. That's, like, what all of this feels like. Because every time I read an article about, like, the Big Ten expansion, it's always like, well, you know, they're going to die anyway. We might as well add them. And, like, think about all the TV dollars we can make. And TV dollars mean better football teams and blah, blah, blah. And, like, everything just sounds, like, perf- perfectly reasonable and obvious in, like, the ways that business suit people know how to do really well. They make every bad decision they make sound like it's a really easy one to make. Um, but, like, I just can't help but come away from this feeling like we, as in, like, people who enjoy watching the sport are getting absolutely screwed um, in a way that I think is different than past um, uh, versions of this realignment
2: stuff. I mean, what, we're, what we continue to head towards doesn't to me doesn't feel new in the sense that what is being what they're what they're aiming for what is what is coming about the change in the landscape is not good for what fans already love about the sport and I think Justin's kind of actually if you were to go back and look longer you probably hear it pretty much more eloquently put by him but just what most people or a lot of people love about college football they're getting away from so yeah it makes plenty of sense that you know. If you get this feeling in the back of your mind that like, oh, are we getting screwed? Like, yeah, yeah, we kind of are. I agree with that.
0: You could at least sell me in the past rounds of realignment on like why certain things made sense. Like, like Colorado's a really good example of that. Like, you can make a really super case to me why it's like good for them to be in the back 12 or good to be in the Big Twelve. Um, like. I grew up with them being in the Big Twelve, so it feels good, but also like I understand like, oh, culturally they're more Pac-12 and blah blah blah. Um but like this round seems like bad. <laughs> like I think they're like Colorado is a good fit in the Big Twelve, but also I'm like, I wish they hadn't done that.
1: But I I, I am over here hearing, you know, everybody's feedback and saying that I want um Oh, oh, God, what, what's it called? Uh, relegation. I want relegation in the sport. Well, buddy, we're getting it. Like, we're absolutely getting it. Like, but it's not as fun as like, you know, hey, this is what our win percentage is at the end of the season. Therefore, this is the new pool or whatever that we get realigned to. No, no, no. This is America, buddy. It's all done on financial spreadsheets over, you know, uh, 30 years of data and 20 years of projected, you know, whatchamac columns made up by you know some west coast weirdos that that's where we're at right now
0: we're getting relegation but it's permanent (laughs) like there's no there's no pathway to get back up but i think like where this is all heading is like you're just gonna have the sec 20 and the big 10 20 and then you just better hope you you landed in there um and it's, I think it's going to make for a worse sport. And I think something that I struggle with is that it's hard to, um, it's hard to like complain about it without sounding silly. Because like, as you start thinking about these cool matchups, they're like, yeah, but like Ohio State, USC could happen every other year or something like that. And you're like, Yeah, I actually, I, I will watch the shit out of that. And it's not that I won't watch the shit out of any of this that's coming. It's just that like, I think it'll be objectively worse. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be like bad or unwatchable. Um, but it's not going to be better. And I think that's a fine enough reason to be pissed off about it.
1: I think what's going to suck is like talking to like, I don't know how many like young 10 year olds we're going to come across watching this in real time and like have like conversations about, Hey, what's your college football watching patterns? Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like have like big historical talks with some stranger like that. Um, Caleb you might actually be more likely to do that since you're a high school football coach. But but I digress. Like we like we get kind of like wrapped up in our emotions talking about this because like we feel like our like whatever we remember is like college football like or sports in general, like any changes to like what we grew up with, which is the good shit obviously. Like no one grew up with the bad stuff. Like everybody's childhood sports is the best. Like, it's getting bastardized crazy, and the the 10-year-olds that, like, aren't born yet or, like, you know, the new fans that aren't exposed to this yet will not know any of this history, and all of this will feel like what it's supposed to feel like when they're introduced to it at that time, but everybody else that's been through it, you know, all of the old fans that have been fans of college football leading up to 2020, is you know, essentially, We'll will recognize college football as something else, but everybody else new will just recognize no college football is normal with like the Big Ten being as big as it fucking is and college students playing you know baseball games that travel from Eugene Oregon to uh, I don't know Ann Arbor Michigan yeah that you know the, it'll be like a normal thing for them and that'll just be like shocking to me whenever like we come to that point
0: how long will that piece of it last though like the olympic sport travel because i could see a world where like the money becomes so good for the football and basketball side that like but like the operating budgets become untenable that they're like now nah, we're gonna keep our big coast to coast football conference but like we're gonna reaffiliate under like old names new names whatever with more local schools to keep the the budgets working like because i I don't see any scenario where like football and basketball don't just like completely separate as entities. In I think that, that's, in that regard,
2: I think that's definitely where it's headed. Um, it just really doesn't make sense to think that, uh, for example, like Rutgers and Stanford would play each other in softball. For example, uh, maybe you get together for like some track meets, and that makes some sense. And you have like you're split off in regionally in terms of what teams host the big like, track meets for example uh but it if basketball and football are going to continue to be the cash cow and we're not seeing any trending away from that then it doesn't really long term it will not make sense for the like you said as like if you describe them as the olympic sports to travel all over the country for those games it's it's not gonna it's not gonna even even with softball growing even with the growth of sports like lacrosse or whatever it does not makes sense for half of your schedule to be uh, driving completely halfway across the country uh, and playing teams you never would have played before without the sport growing. If those sports were growing and those sports were bringing in the, the level of talent and the attention paid to them with television and uh, media rights contracts and stuff like that, if that all grew with it, great. But people's attention span isn't there for that. So it doesn't make sense that they would continue to follow along the same path as football so there's absolutely going to be a separation. It's just a matter of how soon versus how long does it happen. Uh,
1: I had a thought, and Caleb, I kind of want to get your opinion on it especially. Um, this is the, the, Remember how I told you before the show that I have an analogy that I was sitting on? and I kind of wanted to get your reaction. Here we go, buddy. Oh. Here we go. This is what it kind of oh. feels like. This is kind of what conference realignment sort of feels like, all right? You ever hear of a little thing called... The WWF draft in two thousand and one slash two thousand and two, and then the, like you know all the subsequent drafts after that, but especially that first one. Okay. Yeah, it, it just kind of like because remember how big and wide you know your the 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 wrestling habits were of like viewers, right? If you were watching from home, you had your certain channels that you had to watch. You know, the WWF, you had you had to know when WCW was on, you knew it was a different kind of brand and ECW a little bit off the cuff, but like if you were kinda like really into that shit, you know, like think Max Heads here, right? You went to MTV or it was like it was M T V, right?
2: Oh.
1: Right. oh it's testing us now. Oh well. Um but still Anybody that at the time was a WWF uh, contract signee, there was like a bunch of like disputes between like uh, Vince McMahon and Ric Flair and uh, Vince McMahon's daughter Stephanie uh, that caused all this to where everybody, you know, had their regular schedules, but now they all had to rebrand and restructure and they had to draft wrestlers that were going to go under Vince McMahon's SmackDown brand and Ric Flair's Raw brand. And it was just kind of like a big emotional turnover, you know, just a big emotional like thing where like, you know, the rock was drafted first overall. And then the undertaker went to raw second. <laughs> then Kurt Angle had Stormin; He had to be all crying baby. I'm not going to recap the whole thing, but it was kind of like this big conglomerate of like, here's all the stars, all right? Here's clearly like a class of wrestlers where, you know, Changes have to be made, and here we're going to do it under these umbrellas, under, like, certain brands where we're going to have, like, things kind of separate, but look kind of different. Where, like, Raw is going to have a different appeal, and SmackDown's going to have, like, this big lights-on, you know, this, this other artsy kind of different-looking thing. Think, like, a northern brand. Think a southern brand. Think Big Ten. Think SEC, you know? We're under, like, kind of the same umbrellas. Not really, because, you know, TV networks, but... We're all, we're all still kind of getting relegated, and like things kind of go on year and year out. WCW gets involved at some point. ECW, catch offs kind of get involved you know at some point, and we're all just getting drafted and redrafted into SmackDown versus Raw. The I'm not great at the details on it because I totally forgot about it until like I don't know two hours ago. There was a lot of other
0: stuff going on in 2001 too.
1: Yeah. Like, you know, the war,
2: the comparison to it with wrestling is actually interesting because what comes to mind with that is that the way the media rights changed with WWE in in terms of how people consumed that, because if you were a teenager in 2001, there was a really decent chance you were, you were turning on the television to watch wrestling. Like that was very common. Mm -hmm. Um, Fast forward twenty years, not so common now, and like the ratings are substantially down, but the product still continues to make a ton of money. And if you're comparing those two, then you want to compare it the similar similar lens. Then you're beginning to think, okay, college football is, despite its, they're continuing to reconstruct it in ways that you know it's only how to how to make a penny. Then, then college football's heading in that direction too, because the the viewership is continuing to decline uh people are continuing to watch sports less on television even with all the available streaming options and it's getting more specialized and it's getting more packaged and all this is changing everything's being repackaged and repackaged and repackaged because that's what neoliberalism is baby uh, just get the best product out there so we're, we're looking at viewership continuing to decline but them finding ways to package college football as a product that's as humanly or that's as much uh, of that money grab as humanly possible. And obviously we know that's what they want anyway. Like the people who are making these decisions aren't doing it for the the quality of the product necessarily. It's more about how can they make the most money? Uh, How can they put the best matchups on the field that is going to hopefully yield them as much money? So they're good. We're going to continue to see the sport change in a way that we don't, uh, we might not be completely familiar with because they're not really as concerned with – they're not going to be as concerned with viewership and how many people – how many eyes are on the product and except for how it correlates to how much money they can make. And if they can make continue to make money with how they're packaging everything and continue to see that grow, then yeah, like you're going to see a product that look, reminisces that doesn't look anything like what we're used to, and people will, will probably still consume it. Like we're – as far as like the three of us we're diehards if if you consider us compared to the average fan because we're sitting here talking about a mid a mid-level college football conference right so obviously we are invested but like i i have a lot of questions about how it's going to be packaged in the future that's going to bring out casual fans if that's going to even continue to happen
0: i thought you were going to say that <clears throat> it reminds you of wrestling because the SEC is definitely going to do like a Texas A&M and Arkansas game in Saudi Arabia
2: it's actually – they're going to put it uh, in front of the Taj Mahal because, um, uh, you know, as we all know, the, the, the big in, next big football boom market is India.
0: SEC, baby. It just means more no matter where you are.
1: You know, like speaking of which, uh, did you guys listen to – well, I don't know if you do, Caleb. Justin, did you listen to Fullcast yet? I did not. Okay. Well they they used the take that that I shared with you guys in DMs and I'm really upset that they published it first. Um and uh they're the first ones out there that I've heard also beating or I shouldn't say beating, but like or at least speaking Texas A and M to the Big Ten into existence. And I don't know if I've even said it on here yet. Um, but I feel like I should, like at this point, now that the full cast has said it, I'm allowed to say it too now. Um, but I'd like to use this opportunity to also share like this draft that I've shared with you guys, but not the internet, because uh, I never finished writing it, and I don't know if I'm ever going to get around to doing it, um, because the goal was to look at college football, think about what it would look like 50 years from now with like conference realignment and you know, TV deals and all this stuff. And then, like, I started thinking about the TV deals part, and I'm like, that this all sucks. I don't want to think about this anymore. So I think that's kind of where I got lost in the weeds. Do you guys mind if I, like, I'm sure you guys have probably heard me say this already, but, like, do you guys mind if I, like, share a little bit of my stupid idea of what changes in college football could have looked like in my silly draft?
0: I would love to hear this
1: only if it's super silly okay good well it is because um at the time you know this was before of course colorado and you know um but still after like a lot of like the big moves so like usc ucla was still announced and all that um i figured the pac-12 you know at the time they were shopping in texas they were like you know looking to get some connection out there nothing was going so i figured hell the pac-12 is so desperate It wants to add Georgia Tech, which is tired of all the bickering and yappering from the ACC schools that are actually invested in football. If I'm Georgia Tech, I would much rather just be associated with Stanford. No questions asked. I've got a fancy airport right there. It's super easy to travel to. Y'all got the money to do it anyways. It doesn't really matter. Um, And plus, this will give like an easy in for... The, uh, the few schools that are actually competitive in football to, like, get into Atlanta a lot easier. Not that Oregon's hard to, like, get out here and all that, but, hey, it helps to have an in-conference game in Atlanta. Um, figure the ACC is just going to keep getting ripped apart. Um, Louisville and Virginia Tech, they'd also be going to the Big 12, which the Big 12 would be given... Uh, the Kegum nails rivalry, which is Louisville versus Cincinnati. And the Black Diamond Trophy, which is Virginia Tech versus West Virginia. Um, I still think adding Virginia Tech at this point to the Big 12 would be really sweet. I just want to throw that out there. Uh, with the ACC like, kind of getting ripped apart uh, in year 2025, that was 24 that we just heard, in 25, uh, I've got North Carolina... Also leaving the ACC for the Big Ten, along with Missouri, along with Texas A&M, and along with Notre Dame. Uh, North Carolina, of of course, that's just like an obvious fit. I feel like that's just like going to happen at this point. I think that's just it's going to happen. We just haven't heard enough about it. Um, But I think that's inevitable. North Carolina to the Big Ten is going to happen. Uh, Missouri just makes sense. It's a Midwest school. If you, if you know, whatever it's a Midwest school, no questions asked Texas A&M. Well, here's the stupid fit. It wants to be more petty than Texas. Of course it wants to be the only big, you know, the only Texas team in the big 10. It's already an AAU member that matters. Uh, and also it's got the Saudi money to, you know, to cover the, the, the moving costs to leave the SEC, for the Big Ten. I didn't actually include the Saudi part in my drafts, but you know what? At this point, it makes sense. Uh, and then Notre Dame. This is the time to do it. This is the time to do it. You would expand the Big Ten to 20. I broke up the the Big Ten into two divisions, uh, in the Big Ten North and the Big Ten South, just to piss off the SEC, that's how you break them up. Um, I'll read them really quickly. The Big Ten North is Maryland, Michigan, Michigan State, Minnesota, Northwestern, Northern Dame, uh, Penn State, Purdue, Rutgers, Wisconsin, in the South, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Missouri, Nebraska, North Carolina, Ohio State, Texas A&M, USC, and UCLA. Uh, I'm going to skip 2026 because I really don't care about the expansions there. Uh, I'm just going to finish by saying 2027 is as far as I got. Uh, The Pac-12 finally figured shit out with its media deals, Uh, and it's a good one. Uh, You can watch the Pac-12 on your Apple device everywhere in the world. Everyone in the world with an Apple device can just watch the Pac-12 with a a built-in app. Easy to stream. Apple TV, Apple whatever, watch. You can watch the Pac-12. Easy to watch. Now you're not just like a regional thing. You're like a fucking worldwide brand. And that's as far as I got.
0: What I'm most intrigued about by all of these options is, uh, the idea that Phil Longo is just a, a North Carolina plant to get big 10 culture, uh, used to Tar Heel football. Mm-hmm. It's
1: going to rock. Cause man. he's
0: going to be the offensive coordinator at Wisconsin of all places. And, uh, It makes sense now. Makes sense now.
1: Uh, Guys, let's wrap this up by saying, uh, who is, what's a school that you're watching in these uh, these revamped talks of conference realignment? Who's somebody that you're just watching out for and why? I'll just say, my answer is not UConn. That's just it. It's not UConn.
2: I am I. There aren't a lot of options given what they can actually do, but it's still the actual details and how they play out interest me when it comes to uh, the Pacific Northwest team specifically, Washington and Oregon.
0: Florida State announced today that it's not if, but when they leave the ACC, (laughs) which is fun. Um,
1: Look at me! Look at me!
0: Yeah, it's um, we're
1: still
2: relevant. We're still relevant.
0: I'm interested in Florida State not because I like, like, ooh, not in a like, ooh, who's going to pick them type of way because I don't really care. But I think that Florida State was an example of a place Nebraska's probably another example it, that is like there was some past glory, right? Miami's going through some of those. Florida State's like a legit playoff contender this year though, so they're a little bit different place than those other two. But point is like I think they understand firsthand that these things don't last forever. And I think the fact that everybody looks at the college football landscape and is like, well, it didn't look like this 20 years ago. We have to get ourselves in position where in 20 years from now, it could be us doing what George is doing or what Bama was doing and all of that stuff. And I say that to say that if you're doing what Florida State is doing, which is like strong arming your way out of a... I mean, a relatively stable situation where you finally seem to have figured it out in exchange for going to another place where there's so many powerful teams who have a head start on you in those conferences just to get some more money. You're making a world where every 10 years the landscape changes more difficult to actually happen. You're just increasing the likelihood that the teams who are at the top right now will just stay there. And that's what I'm like most worried about, particularly with the Florida State move, because like it didn't work out for Nebraska. All that Big Ten money hasn't fixed shit there. So. What do these schools think is going to happen when they have to go play in the backyards of all these folks who've been doing it? I don't know. Congrats on the money, I guess.
1: It'd be gnarly if the SEC's actually committed to sixteen, like legitimately, wholeheartedly committed to sixteen.
0: Like for you know what the reason. fucked up thing is though, I I don't think any of these guys are committed to anything. Like I swear to God, I think they're all just like it's literally as dumb as you probably think it is. They're probably looking at the news and be like, "Well, Big Ten's going to twenty. Oh, let's just go do whatever." <laughs> like. Like I do think they're just wheeling and dealing and like feeling like hot shit. Like I I just really think it's that dumb. Like that you and you know like when they're gonna realize how dumb it is is like on the Big Ten side is like that first USC at Rutgers game in November. It might not be ten years until they do that, but it has to happen at some point. And someone's going to be like, why the fuck are we doing this?
1: One of those two is going to Rutgers, USC or UCLA. That's happening. Like, 24,
0: 25. All right. In November, though? Or, like, late October?
1: As long as it's not a night game. you know. What can
2: only hope? Can only hope?
0: Boys,
1: football season, 2023 for the mac is actually going to happen i'm serious i'm I'm serious about that it's actually going to happen uh lots of changes lots of reasons to oh my god i think last year we were just like we were very disappointed in just like a lot of things and i i don't know man I, i'm feeling fresh i'm feeling new i'm feeling this season for whatever reason is just going to be like I'm I'm optimistic, man. I think it's going to be like a lot better season this year than what we saw last year, uh, across the board. Uh, there's reasons to believe in a lot of these teams, and a lot of reasons to believe that, you know, some of these parts are just developing. You know, um, God, some of these parts, though, so like Kent State and Western, who have you know new coaches that you might be optimistic about. You might like the direction that they're going to put their team into, but week one. Good luck. Good luck the rest of the way after that too. Um guys, I'm just going to throw out a school and you're going to start telling me reasons uh why you're excited for the season up ahead for Team X. All right? Sound good? We're just going to we're just going to popcorn this. Okay. Uh guys, why are we excited for Toledo? the defending Mac champions why are we excited for them
2: because they're supposed to actually <laughs> because this is the first season uh, in years where I've I finally expected them to live up to their billing and if that means like if they can actually live up to their billing then we're looking at one of the MAC's first uh teams on the national radar in a few years honestly. Um, Ohio and Toledo, I think, both have the chance to to fly onto the to the national radar and open some eyes a little bit.
0: I'm excited for Toledo as a – I'm just going to try to pretend to be neutral. But as a, as a neutral observer, the door is wide open for them to kind of do what NIU used to do, which is go on, like, multi-multi-season runs of winning the MAC West. I don't really see anybody that's, like, a guaranteed challenger to them. There's no reason that Toledo, now that they seem to have maybe figured out how to win the damn thing occasionally, twice in five years after going, you know, a decade without doing it, despite being one of the better teams. Is we could be seeing, like, the uh, <clears throat> a big a start to, like, a, like, three or four straight division title run. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I'm with you there. And, like, there's... It's not because, like, they just, like, recruited at a high level, but, like, they're re- they're keeping their guys in-house in the transfer portal era. Like, they-, they lost a few pieces, but I feel like they're adding more than they're losing, especially to and from the P5 ranks. Um, on paper, it seems like they beefed up a little bit in the trenches this year, so they should, like, definitely make a strong push for a second straight title. I know last year they didn't see... Curtis Rourke in the MAC championship game, so that definitely helped them out. And you know, in what was just a seventeen to seven affair, um, not that the quarterbacks for Toledo were a hundred percent that game either. But I digress. You know, hey, this year if there's a rematch for whatever reason, and all the quarterbacks are, you know, a lot healthier the second time around, who knows? Maybe Toledo could actually like light it up, and it'd actually be a serious game. But I said Ohio. I said something about Ohio. I said something about them being in the MAC championship game. Why are we excited for Ohio in 2023? Caleb, you're an alum. Uh,
2: having the best uh, quarterback that you have had maybe ever is a good reason to be excited. Having a, a running back who, may, who surpassed all expectations and then having uh three of the best like I mean, if you went by Alex's predictions, three of the top ten wide receiver returning wide receivers in the conference uh between Wiglows, uh Jones and uh uh shit, why am I forgetting cross, yeah, yeah, and I mean, shit, I don't remember feeling this good about the wide receiver room since Tettleton was quarterback, and I was in school, so. That's a lot of reason to be excited. Obviously, the offense is rolling, and uh, defensive or offensive line they bring some guys back. And then defensively, uh, there's a lot of talent. There's some guys up front that are really exciting. So uh, um, it's 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 from the outset, there has been no reason to be this excited about Ohio football for a decade. It's literally been a decade since there's been any reason to be this excited about Ohio football. So even if you're not an Ohio fan, you know you watch Ohio games this year, and you're going to watch some entertaining football.
1: I'd say five years ago. When, like, literally Curtis's older brother was I mean, doing I, this thing. But-
2: I didn't. I did not have the same expectations. Like, it was like they could make Detroit. Not they should be in the MAC title game. They should win. That's, like, where I'm at right now. Uh, when when uh, Nathan Rourke was the quarterback, it was like, damn, this offense is exciting. They're so fun. They've got flaws, though, and, you know, we never get the job done. This year, it's – I know we didn't win it last year, but we should win the goddamn th- whole thing this year.
0: Alex, I don't think we can let him get away with saying twenty seventeen they didn't expect to win. Yeah. I'm looking
1: at um may, Caleb, you have you I, can have your I, feelings. I don't care. Uh I'm gonna look at I guess it was technically
0: six seasons ago. Hair, but it would have been five seasons.
1: There was no media removed. poll in the twenty twenty three uh there's no media poll mm-hmm. this year. I just wanna throw that out there really quickly before I say this. In the twenty eighteen preseason media pool Ohio was the runaway favorite to win the East. 21 first first-place picks, uh, Buffalo with one, then Miami with two.
2: And do you know what I was saying at that time?
1: Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's in the archives.
2: Yeah, and it basically what it's going to boil down to, and you know, we can fact check it if we need to, but uh, yeah, I'm like Ohio, Ohio should not be the runaway favorite. Like they, I remember being like, "Wow, this is such an exciting offense, but we're still flawed." Um, and I trust some of these other teams more to like perform down the stretch. So Ohio's probably going to screw it up. It's like, I sure hope we get it to Detroit, but uh, we're going to probably find a way to screw it up because we just haven't proven we can do it. Um, again, would love to be, to go back and find that whether that's true or not, but, uh, actually, that's, you know the, I might that's the year
0: they lost. Um, that's yeah. the 20, that's the 30 to 28 loss to Miami.
2: Yep.
0: Um, season, a year after the Akron game. They went 9-4. and They had a 4-point loss to Cincinnati, 3-point loss to Northern Illinois, and a 2-point loss to Miami. Buffalo was good.
1: Guys, why are we excited about Akron? Why are we excited about Akron? Like, no bullshit. Why are we excited about Akron?
0: EJ Irons, baby. I'm a believer that he's going to be, uh, I mean, third team all MAC probably, but like <laughs> it's going to be really fun to watch. Um, I think he's going to figure some stuff out. There was a time early last year where he was like, I was paying attention to some of like the EPA per play charts for quarterbacks in the Mac, and he was like, near the top but he was his usage rate was like the lowest among quarterbacks and then I think as the season went on they tried to like unleash him a little more and then he had uh he had the injury cuz so they got under a couple of finished the year and all that but I think a fully healthy year for him um you're going to see really heavy usage he's going to be um sling the ball around they've got uh I I'm I'm blanking on his name, but the the transfer running back from is it Florida state
1: uh Florida uh Lorenzo Lingard
0: Lorenzo Lingard. So they should have some help in that department. i I'm not prepared to be like, hey, go take out a a bet on Akron, sprinkle a little money on it as a mac title. but like I'm bought in on the the possibility of like six weeks from now talking about them, you know looking like uh, they could go bowling at some point. I should say six weeks into the season.
2: I feel like we're going to find, there tends to be like skill position players who emerge for Akron every other, every, every year, honestly, some guy whose name I don't know who ends up, you know, having a really good season, receive, catching the ball, running the ball. Uh, Irons is the known commodity and Akron has actually had some decent receivers in uh, the last couple of years, even as as they've struggled and, uh they always have like a back end defensive guy. Like there's always like a like a defensive back or a linebacker that uh becomes an exciting guy to watch. And I don't know that I know who that is for them this year, but it's always fun to kind of watch guys come out of the woodwork for Akron and then realize like how good they are slowly as the season progresses.
0: Akron's first 6 games are Temple, Morgan State, Kentucky, Indiana, Buffalo and NIU.
1: You have to love it. You absolutely have to love it to like. They see.
0: could start four. They could start four and two. They nearly beat Buffalo last year. They clobbered NIU last year. I understand the circumstances were weird around both <laughs> of those games, right? but like,
2: yeah,
0: but that it happened. It did. Like, if they handle business in both of those games, they win the FCS game. Temple. I don't see any reason why they couldn't beat Temple. I mean, then they close the schedule with Central Michigan, Bowling Green, Kent State, Miami, Eastern, and Ohio. And Kent State is rebuilding, and I think they're going to be better than Bowling Green. I'm I'm getting on the uh, I'm getting on the Zips bowling trade.
1: So you'll think that? Do you think they'll be bowling before November?
0: No, I mean, no, because they'll need the Kent State game no matter like how the rest of it shakes out, if they don't need to win that Kent state game on November 1st, like that would mean that they have, they'd either have to be unbeaten in Mac play or have beaten Kentucky or Indiana. And I just, I don't see that happening.
1: Guys, why are we excited for Eastern Michigan? Yep. I'm going to my school picked it but for good reason eastern's pretty freaking good man eastern's a really good football team with like a lot of respect uh not not like so much respect where like you know oh it's gonna be a tight race between like eastern and toledo in the west i don't think they got that much respect even though like you know it was only a three-point game this past year still eastern's a very respected program guys why are we excited for eastern michigan
2: Why are you excited about
1: this tradition? Uh because uh Ips11.com. That's why. Wow. Uh I'm excited because, you know, it's I like rec- like I like watching the position. All right, all right. If I'm gonna like totally nerd out over any spot for Eastern's roster right now, I'm gonna say. The tight end room is a very fascinating group to watch. I think there's going to be some changes on the offense. I think tight ends are going to take on different responsibilities. I think there's going to be added roles to the tight end room. That said, this tight end room, it's all different kinds of dudes. You know, some are more pass first, some are more block first. You know, there's a wide spectrum in between. Body types are all different, backgrounds are all different. You know, I think there's just a lot of different characters in the tight end room. And I think they're all going to play important, crucial parts in this offense that even though it's got Samson Evans, even though it's got Tanner Canoe, it's not totally like it hasn't totally found itself. And I say that with like Austin Smith, who's only had like a limited amount of, you know, starting snaps last year. He hasn't proven that he's all there, and not 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 to say that I think he's like gonna be like really bad or anything like that. You know, he's just very young, um, but he has to like totally nail it. And part of that is he has to make sure that he is, you know, totally doing his part in conjunction with all these different tight ends with all these different responsibilities that are all seen the field for different reasons. It's just gonna be a fun watch. Just all these different tight ends where it's like all hands on deck at Eastern out of like a position group that, you know, isn't, you know, running backs and wide receivers. It's tight ends that I'm like really fascinated by.
2: The tight end room has stayed kind of, I don't know. It's, it's been an interesting aspect of it. Uh, Cause it seems like they always have two, right? It's at least just for the last couple of years that I can think of. It's like, you've got a couple guys that are pass catchers and, um, guys with the high upside that I know like Alex is talking about like uh being excited about who was it a couple years ago. Um was it Cannon or yeah,
1: There well there was like a few there's like two that stuck around for like multiple years at that spot. It was Cannon and Otakoye.
2: Odakoye, yeah. That's who else I'm thinking of too. And like them having multiple tight ends and being like their offense being I think the aspect of being excited about the tight ends is you're like, look, our offense is uh more multi pronged than than they've been in recent years, hopefully. Uh, I guess that's the the hope. Um, If you you can run the ball with any consistency, that's a plus considering the struggles they've had in recent years. And they were fine with that last year. So Mm -hmm. Um, Samson Evans is back, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, like you should have more reason to be excited probably, or just as much a reason to be excited about the quarterback position as you've been or about the the offense as you've been probably in a long time. Mm
1: Mm-hmm uh let's do two more and let's slide out of here guys why why oh why oh why why on earth are we excited justin you got to lead this one for western michigan going through a coaching change um yeah for yeah why why else should we be excited
0: well because
1: all the good players it's gonna gonna
0: be all very new it's (laughs) gonna be very new um The roster's probably more talented than you think it is, but it's still not great. But they're also going to run Air Raid. And the reason this is exciting is because if it works out, it's going to look really cool. And it's also going to look really stupid if it doesn't work. And that's exciting for everybody. So I've maintained all offseason that like I think what's going to happen here is that they're going to look the hilarious version of a team running the Air Raid that hasn't like figured it out yet in the first six or seven weeks and then at the end of the season some poor soul is gonna get like 50 points hung on them out of nowhere because it's finally gonna like oh click like you remember watching like those mike leach washington state teams or even the mississippi state teams the
1: mississippi state team that took down the, the lsu team that just won a natty and like put up like sec breaking stats It's
0: exactly like that. Um, I don't know if it'll like definitely get to something that dramatic in year one, but like you can, I think everybody kind of understands how that offense is just like on any given day, it might be able to hit. And so, you know, I don't know if this team is like 2013 bad, um, but it's not, uh, like it's not going to be great, but after watching some, uh, some like full game, um, I don't want to call it tape because it's just like a broadcast replay, but of the like Richmond team that Billy Kosh was the OC for. Oh, they're going to play fast. Mm -hmm. There's not going to be a lot of huddling. They're going to play very, very quick. It's going to be spread out. It's it's high quality uh, air raid. And it's it's definitely a change from the more kind of like balanced approach that we've seen at Western for the last decade. So, all
1: right. Last one, guys. Why? Why, oh, why are we excited for the Buffalo
2: Bulls? Uh, mostly because we've figured out that Linquist has a, <laughs> he's, he's figured out how to win in the conference. And um, as the roster improves, they should be a very threatening team uh, moving forward. So uh, they, I think Buffalo kind of already hit its floor in terms of where they are in the Mac and the, the collective floor has risen in the program and makes them an exciting prospect on like where they could be in the East race pretty much every year, even the years where you think they're down, they still stand a pretty good chance of making a run or making things competitive, or at least given, given teams hell and nobody having most, nobody really having easy games against them. So most weeks, if I tune into a Buffalo game, I know I'm going to watch a good game or Buffalo is going to play well or, um, or, and then as we see, like continue to see like the identity develop with, with this program under linguist and, like, I, I could see them kind of, like, shooting to the top and making it really interesting there.
0: I'm excited to watch them play defense, mm-hmm. mostly because they do two really fun things, which is uh, create turnovers, a shitload of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the second cool thing they do is uh, run the let Sean Dolak swallow everything whole. Defense, and I want to just see if he can like break some tackle records <laughs> because man, that guy's fun.
1: Yeah, Toledo, or not Toledo, but Buffalo plays a good brand of football, man. I like them, and uh, they always dress nice too. That always helps. It always helps when, like, football wise, you look good aesthetically, and like, there's something about like the way you hit during games that like speaks to my Midwestern heart. Uh, it also helps when you wear like Dope-ass color schemes with, like, a very nice logo to go along with it. Um, Yeah, no failures can be had with, like, the logo and uh, color patterns that Buffalo has, too. So that always helps. Okay, I promise this is the last one. I promise. And, uh, Caleb, you're going to love this. Guys, why are we excited for Miami? Oh, shit. Damn it. I said Miami. Uh, Yeah, why are we excited for Miami? I
0: was hoping Caleb would go first. (laughs) See him say nice things about Chuck uh, Martin's squad.
1: Yeah, uh, he, um, I, I'm. I can read his lips. He's on mute, but I can read his lips. He said he's uh, really excited for Brett Gabbert to come back. Hey, that's what I'm excited
0: him, about though. too. Uh, he comes back full season. Um, they also get to use um, Avion Smith as like change of pace if they want to. Um. And like, you know, I don't know if he wants to run all the time, but he's pretty damn good at it. So. I, I could see it being a pretty fun offensive year for them, uh, particularly because Miami under Chuck Martin like has kind of always not been great running the football, and one of the they might be able to pick up some of those. Um, they might be able to pick up some successful running plays that they normally couldn't with um, using Avion Smith. Um, you know, he's no Gus Ragland, but who is?
1: Uh, Gus Ragland is actually the quarterback coach.
0: God, I forgot about that. That'd be way funnier if I was trying to set that up, actually. But, yeah. Completely forgot about that.
1: I I always appreciate that, like, Miami makes the East race, like, infinitely more exciting just, like, throughout the year. Like, they always, like, do their part. They always, always, always do their part. Like, they're in shootouts that they have no part in being in and they participate very well in. Um, sometimes they don't run the ball well, and they actually just throw it exceptionally, even to, like, receivers that, like, we're not really expecting it. So, like, I appreciate that, like, Miami lives up to the Maxson billing without always having, like, you know, the damn near four-star recruits that, you know, the Westerns and Toledos, you know, t- you know tend to pull in. I I, I just love, like, when Miami, like, makes the East race really exciting. And I know they're going to do it again this year because why not?
2: You know, a Miami person who I am excited to watch that is not playing for Miami currently.
0: Hmm.
2: Mr. Mack Hippenhammer is currently practicing with Cincinnati Bengals
0: and he played quarterback.
2: Uh, You know, I doubt it. Well, they're going to need one, right? Nah, oh, man, we got Trevor Simeon.
0: What are you talking about? I feel partially responsible for this because uh, the last time we recorded, I specifically asked Caleb, like, hey, are you afraid <laughs> of, like, what it's going to be like when the Cincinnati sports, like, come down from this, like, deal with the devil that they've made? <laughs> and then the next time we record, Joe Burrow has a straight calf. The Reds aren't doing anything mm-hmm. at the deadline. They're mm-hmm. still in first place.
2: Look, but I will say I, if if in the next have if, shifted. If the next if in the next couple of years the Bengals win a Super Bowl and the Reds win a World Series, I will take whatever fucking deal with the devil it needs to be taken and I'll all suffer in silence as they you know proceed to go back into you know regress to the mean. Uh just give me my championship and one of each and I can I can die happy.
0: I wonder if Cincinnati will get the same um the same deal with the devil that Cleveland got. Where it's like we're gonna give you a championship, uh, not in the sport you care the most about, uh, and they're gonna they're gonna win by getting uh, coming back from a three one lead, and then in the same year, <laughs> another sport that you don't care a lot about is gonna blow a three one lead, and you got to do the Trump RNC. I
2: don't like that.
0: So that's the that's the deal. <laughs> it's the only confirmed deal with the devil that I know. I'm not asking for that. That's the market
1: you have to go on baby billy's bible bunkers
0: <laughs> i've had that theme song stuck in my head for many hours do,
1: do, 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 do. Bible, bunkers.
0: bible bunkers god's favorite game and boom goes the dynamite